Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm not on fire. I'm David. <laughs> Nobody I mean, is on yet. fire in this episode, and it's kind of a bummer. It yeah. is. It's kind of disappointing. I, you know, I was going to say who thought that was a, a design choice that needed to be made in the first place, but I guess the answer is Don Figueroa, wasn't it? Well, I think it actually might have been Pat Lee. Huh? Maybe. Oh, maybe it was I, Pat. Because Pat. I know if it was Pat Lee. It's like the one really good thing Pat Lee did. <laughs> because he didn't draw that book. It was um, it was Andrew Wildman, I believe. But I think Pat Lee designed the Fallen. Ah, okay, and decided Although, that what he needed to probably. be was on fire. Yeah. Just now his it, defining characteristic. Now I cannot confirm that it was not Alex Milne ghosting for Pat Lee. Yeah, this is true. That's possible. Well, well, we just have to look at how Gundamy the very first drawing is then. Yeah. Because he was kind of Gundamy back then. I mean, it, it's I very much me. in the simultaneously falling backwards whilst reaching towards the camera pose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Help, I'm off balance. I, uh, I do appreciate that at this point, that is the, the basis on which all, like, toys or new designs or whatever for the fallen are judged is how on fire is he so i guess by that regard this one is a little low it's a little shocking that he's, he's not really on fire in revenge of the fallen either no but no, he's well, at he's least got like the, when he the teleports black and fire yeah i mean he's got like the the infernal glow about him and he's also tony yeah. todd which gets your points also what the hell is like, I remember when when that uh, movie title was announced, and people were like, "They can't possibly mean that the fallen." And then it's they absolutely did but then, mean no. It is that dude. <laughs> that the fallen <laughs> getting revenge, even though you've never heard of him before. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is tra- this is battlegrounds part one, the first part of the exciting season one finale. Aw, uh, man. First aired September 5th, 2015, uh, written by David McDermott, who's written uh, multiple episodes of Transformers before. He wrote four episodes of Prime, and uh, most recently wrote uh, Hunting Season, the Robot the Disguise episode that introduced Drift and Fracture. Oh. Hmm. And raised a lot of questions re-bounty hunting. Yes, those questions are not answered here. No, they're probably... Didn't you say they're eventually answered? They are eventually answered. I guess that's better than DevCon got. DevCon, who is hunting only his people's enemies for free. <laughs> Listen, are you sure you you know anything about bounty hunters? Well, I uh, I was in a bar last night and they were playing The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, the sound was off, but I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> Still... An excellent episode, and I entirely bought Smokescreen recently, just entirely on the basis of how much I love that episode. But Defcon doesn't know what a bounty hunter actually is. So yeah, we open in the woods, and Sideswipe and Strongarm are playing tag, but she's taking it a little too seriously. I love it. I love how she just she just punches him. Yeah, it's less of a tag <laughs> and more of a full on body slam. Just wham tag. <laughs> I love her. I mean, I, I it, it's 
I mean, Grimlock is generally the strong one, but I like that they kind of emphasize that she is the more physically powerful of the two here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course she resorts to violence. She's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No lies detected. So they... So in short order, uh, of course, after he uh, she tells him not to run angry... Uh, they both get captured <laughs> by Thunderhoof and Underbite. <gasps> this must be a big, important episode. That's right. We're bringing in the recurring villains, baby. Yay! We're, we're paying up for that Frank Stallone money. Yes. Just gather together all our leftover budget and spend it all on this episode. Unfortunately, that's why all they could uh, hire for uh, Megatronus was Gil Gerard. <laughs> It's nothing bad about Gil Gerard. He's, he's better than I remembered in this episode, actually. I mean, they've, they're putting some reverb on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, it, it, to the point where you don't notice it's actually Gil Gerard's voice, or at least I don't, even re-listening to it. It's like, it just, it's a guy with a lot of reverb. Sounds good, but doesn't sound like him. I don't think I would pick up on Gil Gerard's voice without, mm. like, prompting. I mean, I haven't, I have seen a couple episodes of that, but not many. I haven't seen it in decades, admittedly, but I think I've seen him in something uh, else. I since. might pick up on Aaron Gray. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so he's caught by them, and then we cut to the realm of the Primes, where they're using Optimus Prime's best-known weakness against him—simulated humans. That's right. <laughs> yes. Because he's, like, there's a human in the middle of, like, a, a lava field, and there are a bunch of, like, Decepticon drones hovering around him, so Prime shoots down the drones and uses them as stepping stones in the lava to rescue the human. He's, he's got to. It doesn't matter that they're not real. Yes. And and once more, uh, Micronus is, uh, is playing the Yoda here, I guess, because he's the little guy. How is he like their fighty guy? Because he's criticizing Optimus's technique, like, you know, leaving your mm. flank open. How is he their fighty guy? He's tiny. Ah, you he's know. He's so small. Uh, judge me by my size, do you? Okay, fine. I guess he can be Yoda. He doesn't have any open flanks. He's so small. He has no flank. <laughs> he's just a cranky little mecha Grogu. Yes. And he's like, yeah, you know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're not ready for, uh, for the great evil to come. And then all of a sudden, it has begun. Hmm. Oh, well, I guess you're gonna have to be ready. Well, too late. Fries are up. It's, it's like that, uh, that episode of, uh, oh, no, Futurama fries. where, uh, Bender and Fry uh, join the army to get, uh, discounted gum. And the, and the guy says, well, you know, it's, it's only a problem if, uh, you know, war were declared. Then an alarm goes off. What was that? War were declared. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, remember the, the gum that they're buying is uh, Big Pink. The only ha- the only gum with the real ham taste. <laughs> oh. oh, there's some gross stuff in Futurama. Oh, and this ham oh. gum is all bones. <laughs> Man, I need to rewatch some of that. Yeah, maybe. If it was on a streaming service, we it, had. that is that might be my favorite episode. It's also the one with the uh, Henry Kissinger's disembodied head and uh, <laughs> and the ball people. Ah, uh. ball people. It's like a race of bouncing ball people that they declare mm-hmm. war on. Yeah. Anyway, oh, okay. So yeah, so we cut back to the real world and uh, strong arm 
uh, gets uh, defeated by a bunch of Ewok traps. <laughs> she well, does. Yeah. Sad. Because they they do the, the they do the, the the rope tripping thing, and then the big log on a rope. I guess now Ooh. we are learning why Micronus is the fighty guy because minicons will kick your ass. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, he's the god of Ewoks. Well, Mecha Ewoks. Yes. Huh. <laughs> That's a, that'd actually be a more interesting take on minicons that they're sort of semi-feral but incredibly industrious. So, so, so like wheelie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like just an army of wheelies. <laughs> oh my god, wheelies and Ewok. <laughs> so yeah, we cut back to Well, the... he's a Tarzan, but yeah. that's basically an Ewok. Or or, or a Mowgli? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he's more Mowgli. A Mowgli, if none of the... he gets animal friends, yeah. I guess he does in the comics. He certainly doesn't anywhere else. It's just... Well, I guess he gets Grimlock, who's kind of an animal friend. But yeah, Grimlock, the Dinobots. Yeah, they're, the Dinobots. They're animal companions. They don't really use their robot modes in that movie. <laughs> no. Or through the vast majority of season three, to be honest. No, I think they transform once in the movie to fight Unicron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think when they fly out to kick his butt, yes. maybe? Yes. Yeah, and then they continue to be dinosaurs throughout almost the entirety of season three. Well, I mean, in that one episode, if he turned back to robot mode, his, his uh, apron would come off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, so we're back at the scrapyard. The Autobots note that, oh, uh, Strongarm seems to have uh, her transmission seems to have cut off very abruptly. She's probably been kidnapped. Oh well. Hmm. And so they figure, okay, well, you know, we're there aren't really any other Decepticons who are up and about, so it's probably the pack. And also, we've never really thought to look for them before or anything. So uh, I don't know. Fix it. Where would they maybe be? What's <laughs> a a large? They're like, well, he's trying to put together an army, so we need a place that's really big what he doesn't say but i assume is implied is with no people yes mm. well don't worry that's most of the places on the show yes uh but yeah it turns out there's a conveniently ab- uh, conveniently abandoned steel mill that's helpful yeah nothing but shirtless robots and sparks in there hot stuff <laughs> coming through oh yeah anyway so so you know they're they're about to you know roll out, but uh, and obviously they're going to be shorthanded. So Denny volunteers, and sorry Denny, but that's kind of a bad idea. Yeah, sorry you're you're very you've been very helpful, but you continue to be small and squishy. Yes. Oh, oh, what's this? We need an extra person. Oh, hey, it's convenient guest star Windblade. Yay! She shows up! Yeah, all the guest stars for this episode. Yeah, she says that her uh, her enhanced senses told her that uh, it was the season finale, so she has to show up. I appreciate that when she shows up, uh, she she asks about Strongarm and Slick. Yes. Because she's still on her nickname thing, but she is respecting Strongarm enough to use her actual name. Yes. And I, I appreciate that consistency. Which is good, but like when when Transformers, like Strongarm, sounds like a nickname. I guess that's true. I mean, it's a thing. I'm I'm 
wasn't there a micro there seems like there must have been a, a micromaster named slick but i'm pr- probably confusing that with euler and slide yeah i was about to say euler and slide yeah. which are much worse and there's also hubs and greaser yeah discharge <laughs> mixing i love mixing <laughs> They want to use English. They don't know English. But they really want to use it. No. So it's oh, a interesting note. If you type in "slick" on the wiki, it auto redirects to Sideswipe. Aww, that's nice. <laughs> that's helpful. I guess there is another one. Isn't another one? Anyway, so yeah, it is time for them to roll to the rescue. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> That's somebody else's catchphrase. Oops, they're using that on another show. Catchphrase number 15. Ooh. The first time he's stolen one. <laughs> I, I really liked that. That was really cute. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a very cute one. And then I think they kind of use it. There's a music sting afterwards that's kind of like the Rescue Bots theme. Yes. Like I feel like you have to save something like that for a big episode. So Yes. Yeah. Of course, there'll be more Rescue Bots crossover in the future. Yes. Yay. And of course, in a, in a mere few episodes, we'll be back to Rescue Bots. <gasps> we will. Some. Yes, once we acquire a reliable source. Yes. Uh, for episodes. Uh, uh, um, I'll see what I can hook you uh, up with. Put them on DVD, Hasbro. I'll buy it. Yeah, or yeah. Netflix. On DVD or put it... Or Was it originally on? I, I mean, I know... All of Transformers Prime was on Netflix, mm-hmm. and they took away everything but the first season. It's maddening. While we were watching it. <laughs> yes. But I don't know if they did. If they had all more than the first season of uh, Robots in Disguise and Rescue Bots. Yeah, but the thing with Prime is that's at least on DVD. Yeah. Yeah. The later shows, yeah, they just lost interest. Yep. Which, it seems really weird. It's like, you'd think of the later seasons, would be, they'd be more likely. Now, it's just like, oh, just stick it on streaming somewhere. Yeah. I, I kind but of feel it, like uh, maybe they were just assuming they would put it on streaming somewhere, so they never, like, got bothered getting the DVD release rights, and then they just didn't yeah. bother to put it on streaming, and they forgot yeah. about it because they'd moved on to Cyberverse or something. And as someone who is very archivally minded, this is extremely yeah. frustrating, and it, it makes me very unhappy. Yes. Yeah, it's especially weird, because, like, we can get the Japanese seasons of G1 yeah. on DVD now without the funny dub, unfortunately. It's just subtitles. But we can get them! Unless you get them from Australia, like I did. Uh. Well, yeah. <laughs> but there are ways. But, like, the more recent seasons you can't get, it. that seems weirder. I mean, I guess... More people are moving to just digital only, unlike us oldsters who like physical media in case shit stops streaming. Honestly, but as and this is sort of a, a uh, divergence here, but... That's us. Like, I feel like the more that the streaming environment splinters, and this may have been yeah. what the problem was with getting these on Netflix versus actually releasing them as physical media... The more the streaming environment splinters, the more I feel like I need to be buying things on physical copies again. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, the thing. Because, like, I have Netflix. I like Netflix. Less and less shit is on Netflix, admittedly. But it's there. And it has stuff I watch. I mean, and you never know when some streaming service is going to go all quibby on you. 
Uh, yeah. Well, you do, because honestly, like... Quibi was a dumb idea. No well, one yes. thought Quibi uh, was going to work out. Except and then, really, really old people. Oh, Quibi, like, okay. Well, the thing is, nobody thought it was going to work, except for people with millions of dollars. Except yeah, David this, Geffen. This is a digression within a digression, but Quibi, like, the first time I heard it, it's like the dumbest thing ever. Because it boils down to... Old people's old old people with way too much money saw. Oh, people watch like little couple minute videos on their phone. Oh, we could do that by charging them. Um, there's a thing called YouTube. Well, it's free. Also, a big part of it is they were thinking, oh, well, people want like short form content that they can watch on their commute, and then they launched it immediately before oh, yeah. everything shut down. I mean, the timing didn't it help. Was bad. But I don't think it hurt it that much. It was going to die anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, just all the different, like, I could see, I think, I think all of, uh, there's a lot of G1 stuff and, like, Unicron Trilogy stuff on Tubi, I think it's called. Oh, yes. yeah. T- yes. Tubi's one of those things I, I keep meaning to sign up for, because you can't just watch it. You have to sign up for the damn thing. Mm-hmm. I just... I have signings to too many things. I don't want another one. At least it's free. One. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is a free one, and a lot of TVs have it but built that, in. I, Pluto, Pluto, I don't have to sign into shit. Yeah, I've lost like interest Pluto. in Pluto. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't watched Pluto in a while, because I would just, like, watch Galaxy Express really late at night or something. I got tired of the ads for their Newsmax channel. Oh, dear. Uh, they they have all of those. They have all of the, like, <laughs> basically domestic terrorism news channels now, which is a little off-putting when Oof. you really just wanted to watch Captain Harlock at four in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, yes. Uh, Back to the episode, getting, maybe. <laughs> getting uh, further episodes is going to be a little tricky, and it may be harder for our viewers to watch along if they were doing that. Uh, yeah, but. yeah, watching along is, is going to be a serious problem. Like, I, I will you- say that's definitely the sort of thing that I personally will feel no qualms about uh, hosting torrents for. So, yeah, they they exist for some of the I've found. If risk. you're not if you're not going to be using your rights to it, I feel no qualms about torrenting it. If you actually make that stuff legally available, I'll take it down. Yeah, we buy it. Yeah, it, it's the same thing. Well, like Tokusatsu, like. Almost, like, we were getting to the point, like, where ever, almost every series was fan-subbed. Mm-hmm. But then, um, was it, like, Toei started putting up their own stuff on site, on YouTube. Admittedly, not all subbed, some of it's just raw, but it's there! Mm-hmm. So people started taking their subs away. It's like, oh, the job of putting it out there is done. We're stopped yes. torrenting it. Yes. It is standard operating <laughs> procedure. Anyway, they're going to roll to the rescue. Yes, yes. and uh, so we cut now to this uh, this steel mill, and uh, for once, Steeljaw is uh, is pleased with the competent job that his uh, his uh, subjects have done. Yeah, but and I- I'm not entirely sure how this is working. Is he the only one who can see Megatronus? Yeah, yeah that's pretty clear because there's a cutaway yeah. where we see like Thunderhoof staring at him talking to a wall. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and, leaders going crazy. Which, like, I feel like this should have come earlier into the season where, like, 
just when when the pack is starting to gel together and Thunderhoof isn't trying to kill Clamp Down, like their leader starts to go nuts talking to himself. Yes. But it's just this episode while well, he first started talking to the head last time he showed up and then he's just full on nutso this episode. Well, not actually nuts, he's just talking to a demigod that's only talking to him and manipulating He's a, like the great gazoo. Oh the <laughs> I mean, unlike Bumblebee Build that space bridge, dum dum. <laughs> Unlike Bumblebee, he is at least in some degree of conflict with the voice that he's talking to, so he's yeah. not telling all the guys, like, we're going to do this because this voice to- told me to. He's like, we're going to do this because I said so. Yes. Kind of, yeah, but but it's also like, he doesn't really want to do what the voice is telling him, so he's arguing in the voice in his head, and that might make him seem even <laughs> crazier? Yeah, yes. that is kind of crazy. Like, oh, but but the the voice in his head can manipulate physical objects to a degree, and tries to get clamped down to rip his own arm off with his clamp. Oh, stop yes. clamping yourself! Stop clamping yourself! <laughs> Which, like, in my my brain, the perfect joke that didn't happen: the ghost in the crab shell. <laughs> But like I don't know how to work that properly into the episode. Like, who would even say that? But then I just thought, oh, that'd be a great title for an episode. <laughs> like, just clamp down is haunted. Also, just before he's actually talking to Megatronus, he declares that they need to go to the Autobot base and capture Fix-It. Uh, yeah. Because yes. Steeljaw knows who the most important member of the team is. Uh, yeah. And he sends his most competent lieutenant, Fracture, to do so. Yes, which actually is his most competent lieutenant, so that's yes. nice. Uh, so yes, then he's he's talking and, and tells him to stop clamping himself. Yes. And Thunderhoof, <laughs> he does not mind watching Clamp Down hurting himself. No, he's enjoying and that. I, oh, the, I, the, I can't remember <laughs> if I mentioned this the last time, but I think this might be kind of based on some early plans for Revenge, Revenge of the Fallen. Mm-hmm. Where the fallen was like trapped in a sarcophagus. Okay. And like Megatron had to that free him. That would more him. explain where he looks like a weird, creepy pharaoh. Well, and it, it got far, far enough along that that is de- it, he's depicted that way in the comics tie-ins. Oh, ha! Huh. Which I never read because why? They're better than you'd think. They're by uh, a lot of them are by John Barber. Oh, I guess if they were actually written by someone. You know, yeah, I the, the trying to tell a coherent few story. movie tie-in-y comics I did read were pretty good, but I just stopped reading them because there, there's a great uh, Sector Seven series where it's uh, you know it's 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 uh, they're sort of going through time. So at one point, Bonnie and Clyde are teaming up with a Decepticon, <laughs> and there's another one where they're uh, they're with uh, Herbert Hoover and his gunslinging wife. <laughs> said better than you'd think yeah All although right. like i mean i can understand why they didn't want to bother to animate megatronus on fire throughout these entire two episodes he's going to be in but they like when he's just a floating head if that had been on fire that would have been cool and he's also got kind of like a weird portcullis over his face yeah i really like the mask it's it, it's it looks like uh, it looks like judge death yeah it, it, the mask like is very visor. cool but it 
it does mean in jumping ahead to the end of the episode here when when he takes it off there is a very oh no he's sexy moment yeah which is entirely spoiled by the first time we saw his floating head mm. where he didn't have well, the mask well see that's that's the yeah i guess there's that i was going to say that's the reveal the reveal it's like it's like it's a reveal that he's actually an attractive yeah like it should have been a reveal like like it was a mistake that his he didn't have the mask the first time but you can't it's really hard to go back and fix an animation error in 3d as opposed yes. to 2d because you have to reanimate the whole damn thing whereas 2d is just i oh, just slap another layer on there it's easy it's done i so think anyway, it, he... it should have cut to strong arm and sideswipe both in sync going oh no he's hot <laughs> So yeah, he's, he says, you know, I'm going to need, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, I'm trapped here in robot hell and you need me, or you, I need a, a, a big thing of metal to anchor me and dissipate the energy caused by my return to non-robot hell. And he's like, well, you know, we're in a steel mill. You're in an abandoned steel mill. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting back sassed by the robot devil here. Or I guess yes. the robot Judas, rather. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess he's but, Judas. It, it, huh. Yeah, because Unicron's robot Satan. Unicron's the robot so, devil, so yeah. he's and he like betrayed the Prime. So he, yeah, he's he's the robot Judas. Mm. Yeah, Judas Tron. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also yes. He's he's made out of thirty pieces of silver. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh, no, no, that's just weird. And when they defeat him, his his guts are going to go flying everywhere. Uh... Or he becomes a vampire. Um, oh, he becomes Dracula, as seen in the movie Dracula 2000. Uh, Although I shouldn't be doing the Dracula accent because he's played by Gerard Butler, so it's more like, ah, I'm Dracula. Dracula accent, <laughs> yeah. I don't think t- I've seen that since approximately the year 2001. It's uh, it's real bad. I think, uh, I mean, that that title, that uh, number in the title is telling you, you should not, it's like a, a best before date. Do not watch the movie <laughs> after the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It will no longer make sense to have vitamin C in a movie. <laughs> oh man, I forgot she existed. I mean, I was never, I'm not a big pop music person and never have been, but I forgot she existed. So so now, and we've got more Revenge of the Fallen vibes, because we, we now cut to Prime standing before the Primes, which is much like that Shia LaBeouf dream sequence. Uh, except Optimus Prime's not carrying around a sock full of Matrix. <laughs> Oh my god, that movie was uh, so bad. It was so bad. Anyway, the guy in the middle has very strong Vector Prime vibes, and I kind of okay. want to dig that toy out. Apparently that is supposed to be Vector Prime. Oh. Okay, good, because his chest shape and his helmet, not his shoulders so much, but very much his chest and his helmet are very, they're very silhouetted. But he's very Vector Prime shaped. Yeah, they're, they're all gray with glowy chest. They're most of them are boring designs, except for the guy way on the right, who's just like in a different art style. He's got weird shoulder pads and scrawny little arms. And uh, he's unfortunately not voiced by Richard Newman, but by uh, Troy Baker doing double uh, duty as uh, Steeljaw here. Mm. Not bad, not bad. No, no, he's doing fine. So there I'll listen. You, you know, it sucks that you're not ready, because we have to I'll give you all a portion of our power. So, you know, try not to die. <laughs> because apparently he needed to be sufficiently able to guard his flank in order to receive their power and 
now he's not sufficiently trained, so they're concerned that it's going to kill him. Well, Which, okay. Yeah, well, have, you know, it's a good thing you're, you're not sufficiently trained, because now you have an entirely new body that you've never practiced in. Yay, good job! Because, yeah, he gets this energy and he becomes, like, huge and gigantic. He's swole. He gets yeah, swole. He is thick with two C's. <laughs> he goes on the protein. Oh, oh Lord, he coming. <laughs> yes. well, no, he's not as oh Lord, he coming as, like, the last design where he was just, like, a flying brick from the end of Prime. <laughs> yeah, not, the one at he's... the end of Prime was... He's, like, that sort of slimmed down Colossal. and toned down a bit, but he's got mm-hmm. massive shoulders and giant boots. Yeah. Yes. He's definitely... Yeah, there's not so much in the middle of him, but, like, on the outside, he's, like, got a lot of ornamentation. Yes. Anyway, so so Windblade, uh, she she gets to the steel mill first and just gets straight up uh, knocked out by a flying girder. Yeah, good job, mission from Primus. Don't you have super senses, like, the kind of senses that might tell you that a, a, (laughs) a giant... Jim Bro has just hucked a girder at you? Yeah, a dog threw this at you and you didn't <laughs> see it coming. She maybe she was like too busy being prepared for bigger threats and they weren't worth her notice, except they should have been, because yes. they brought her down. Yeah, so Fractures, uh, he's watching the scrapyard, and he sees uh, he sees our, our pal Hank. Everybody remembers Hank? Yes. Uh, Russell's uh, friend who is a lady. Yes. Football buddy. Wears, uh, wears a helmet with goggles on it like she's, uh, like she's escaped from an episode of Digimon. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. She, yeah. Yeah, that's some Digimon vibes. Anyways, uh, so it turns out she has a spare Bronco Kowalski rookie card. Uh, they, they, we have mentioned Bronco Kowalski a couple of times on the show because it's a fun name. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, a fictional football player. The the Poughkeepsie pile driver. Yes. And of course, Russell has to sort of convince her, like, not to come in because he's all, uh, uh we're, we're we're spraying for bugs, so you're just gonna have to like. Pass it to me very carefully. And they did mention that at this point they've got all of uh, the terrifying weaponry that Fixit installed during his previous. I'm not going to say a previous episode. I'm going to say his previous episode because yes. he was having an episode. <laughs> uh, but they've got all of that functional to a point where they can use it, and they have all their defenses up. So he doesn't want to open the door because that's going to involve turning off all the guns. <laughs> And soon enough, she comes back, and she's like, "No, oh, no, no! I, oh, I told my dad. He totally freaked out. That that card is like my college fund, and and you can't just like toss it to me because oh, oh no! There, there goes my college fund. I don't get to go to college. If it gets a scratch on it. Yes. So of course he opens it up, and of course it's not actually Hank. It's a a holographically disguised disguised air razor, which is kind of horrifying. Man, yeah, Fracture really is their most competent guy. Well, he, he has a line about, oh, I, I, I did a little research. Yes, yeah. research. Oh, my. Like, d- that n- never happens whenever robots try to impersonate someone or that even pretty much any story that shit doesn't work. Hollow fields and a little research. And research. Suddenly incredibly competent for a Decepticon on this show. Yes. 
hell, just go back a few episodes with with the the weird bug thing that would turn into other people. He did no research. He just did by looks, yep, and voice somehow. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, so the Autobots have now tracked down the Decepticons, and uh, they've chained the uh, the three captive Autobots to a, a gigantic Statue of Liberty-esque statue, which is apparently the Crown City Colossus. Isn't that the same statue that Filch had her little yes. nest at the yes. top of? It's, I recognized it because it, I saw it has it's holding that basket aloft, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's the basket where Filch had her nest." Because she's it's kind of the best. it's kind of it's very Soviet looking, actually. Yeah, it is kind of the way it's got all the the pillars at the bottom. It is very like yeah, like it, it's art still deco part of the rock, or, um, well, and it's also holding a big hammer. What is it style yes. called? Damn it, art it did sort of remind me of the, uh, I mean, maybe not physically because I don't remember the time I actually saw it, but in Birmingham, Alabama, they have a statue of Vulcan uh, because that's a big steel or ah. at one time was a big steel city. And it kind of reminded me of that. And of course, nobody has noticed uh, these big robots, you know. Tying other robots to the statue and also building this giant arch in front of it. <laughs> yeah, they don't actually have, like, security at the statue or any kind of people driving. <laughs> it's just out in a field, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's in the middle of the however wide the river is or bay or small lake, whatever it is. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it doesn't if seem. You're it's probably weird that it doesn't not seem going to have, have... tourists area somewhere yeah you're probably not going to have that many tourists in a town that size going out to see it so i guess like not enough to bother running a regular ferry you just have like maintenance people go out occasionally to power wash it yeah spray coro stop on it that preceptor <laughs> gave you <laughs> I oh i think episode. i found the art movement socialist realism which Ooh. is a really go. boring title well, does that uh, mean yeah. just be a catch-all? It's not as good as the word brutalism. <laughs> yeah, well, brutalism is really only for architecture, because big concrete cube, yes. which sometimes looks pretty. Most of the times it just looks threatening and deathly. <laughs> Brutal, uh, one might say. Yeah. yeah. So back at the scrapyard, uh, Fix-It is armed, but not particularly dangerous. No, we know he's uh, covered with guns, but he doesn't have access to them. All he's got is like a gun. What is it? Is it a gun? I thought it was like a little blowtorch. It's something. Whatever it is, uh, Fracture promptly throws a knife at it and breaks it. (laughs) It is ineffectual, is what it is. So yeah, they 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 they, they retreat to the diner. They they each grab a weapon and prepare to make their stand. (gasps) Which of course includes a frying pan. You got to have the frying pan. Well, well. Yes. Uh, Russell has the frying pan. Uh, Denny has an egg beater, and uh, Fixit has like a spot welder or something. Frying but, pans are serious business, man. You could really hurt somebody with one of those. Somebody who's not a big robot. Well, okay. Whose head isn't already made of frying pan material. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So they are preparing to make a Butch and Sundance esque last stand here. Uh, but uh, thankfully, the Bolivian army is promptly defeated by the arrival of Heckin' Chonker Optimus Prime. <laughs> Sword Daddy. 
I and hereby that- declare this version of Optimus Prime to be Sword Daddy. <laughs> so, hey, you're, uh, you're Optimus Prime, huh? We've heard all about you and occasionally seen Bumblebee talking to your uh, ghost. Uh, sup? <laughs> yes. He does have his sword. He's got his great big old... I guess that's probably the actual Star Saber. I don't know how that works as far as things becoming from the the immaterial. I don't yeah. know if it, it reincarnated from heaven with him <laughs> or, or whether it's just a similar sword, but it's very Star Saber-esque, yes. uh, as in the Star Saber from Prime, and yes. not to say that it's a large red, white, and blue jet robot. Which or is kind it, or of it, weird for him to be. Nor is it uh, three jets stuck together. It is also not three jets stuck together. Huh. Uh, so yeah, they uh, so they actually convince him that hey, you know, if you need to get the humans out of there, you should bring us. I am very well. Okay, I'm kind of impressed that they managed to talk Optimus into taking them when they couldn't even convince Bumblebee to take them. But on the other hand, Optimus is accustomed to working with fairly useful humans, so yes. fair enough. And these aren't <laughs> simulated, so he doesn't have to care about them as much. Yes. Now, I, I I do not understand the purpose of these silly hats. I do not recall Agent Fowler possessing such a hat. <laughs> So yeah, we're we're back at the statue. Um, the uh, you know the Megatronus is all, hey, get me get me out of robot hell here. And uh, Steel just starts back sassing him here. He calls him an other dimensional blowhard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Steel Joe has no respect for this guy. It's, it's impressive. Like generally, if some demonic guy starts talking to you, you don't just back talk him. It's Yeah, he's not impressed though. Yeah, I'm 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 not so impressed there, Robot Judas, just, you know. I don't want anybody sexier than me coming to this plane of existence. <laughs> it's true. Maybe that's it. Maybe he feels vaguely threatened by him. So yeah, so the the Autobots have split up. Uh Bumblebee and Drift are coming in via the road. And Grimlock is coming underwater, which he does not care for, but goes for anyway. And Drift is all, uh, oh, our, our oafish teammate's uh, enthusiasm is as large as he is. <laughs> I, I just like I just like him calling uh, Grimlock our oafish teammate. It, it's, <laughs> it's slightly insulting, good delivery, and, and it's like Drift is finally starting to like the other people he's hanging out with. That's about as close as a compliment as you're going to get from Drift. Yeah. Yes. He's going to talk about how much he likes your enthusiasm, but he's also going to call you a, a blundering lummox. Yes. <laughs> he's not good at being nice. Yeah, so, so anyway, the uh, Bee and Drift get there. They face off with Thunderhoof and Underbite, and then Grimlock gets there, but he is stopped from destroying this arch by Clampdown. I do really like how Grimlock just comes out of the water like Godzilla. Yes. I, I felt like that was a very Godzilla just coming out of the water. Well, it wasn't quite animated like a Godzilla coming out of the water. Because, like, that's usually just vertical, which never quite makes sense anyway, how this giant lizard does that anyway. At least in the old movies, as opposed to the, the new CG ones, where he just sort of swims alongside boats anyway. 
but yeah, it could have been more Godzilla like. And that was a moment where it's like, oh, Godzilla I, or Grimlock probably wishes he had a breath weapon to stop the arch, and then he gets stopped by a little crab monster, like Godzilla versus the sea monster. I still really love Clampdown's walk cycle animation. Yes. I will never get tired of his little sideways skittering. Great little scuttle. Oh, he does good scuttling a couple times in this episode. Like after his, after his arm tries to rip his arm off, he scuttles away. Yes. It's like, And the action scenes in this are really kinetic. Oh yeah, that's a thing. The, the, like, Thunderhoof fighting against Bumblebee, it's, like, really fast-paced and really good. And, and there and there's a very cool, like, Michael Bay-esque, in the best sense of the word, scene where Prime is sort of flying in. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a very nice tableau. And I, I, the, all this crazy action stuff is happening. And then we cut to Denny, who's looking for the right uh, silly hat to wear as part of his disguise. <laughs> yeah. I think that what little fight we get in this episode might be better because there's so little time. So you just got to do quick possible. cuts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which works pretty good. And then yeah, uh, but it it is now too late. Prime blows up this arch, but it Megatronus is already through, and Megatronus stands triumphant. <gasps> oh no, he's sexy. And yeah, he takes off the mask, and uh, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a real looker. Yeah. And it, it it is it is a pretty cool design. I like uh, I like the full Megatronus design. Yeah, it's it's not. I well, I don't know if it's Megatronus enough because Megatronus. I just think of the fall, and he's not on fire. But other than that, it's a really good design. Yeah, it's true that he's insufficiently on fire. He's got a very like purple energy to yeah. him. If he was purple yes. fire, that'd be fine. That would be Ooh. acceptable. That would be adequate. Or oh, actually, right. like the portal he comes in, since so they had to build a weird one to drag him out of robot hell or whatever. It'd be nice if it was a different color instead of green, like he usually is. Like if that yeah. had been red on fire, mm. <laughs> that would have also been acceptable. The point is, as the fallen, he is insufficiently on fire. Yeah, but I guess they did they even call him that, or is it nope. just that we know that Megatronus is the fallen? Yeah, it's just because yes, we, we I think know. they just call him Megatronus. So it's it's our own expectations that are ruining this design to a degree. Well, and they're they're probably going to. I mean, they call him the first Decepticon. Yeah, and we know yeah. that. And they're probably going to explain his origin in the next episode. Probably, I don't remember. Presumably, maybe yeah. we'll see. I forget. Actually, I do remember a pretty hilarious bit that we will get to then. So that will that when they do talk about his origin. So, you know, I think this is a pretty good first part of a two-parter. It, it, I mean, it, this is, this whole bringing the first Decepticon to Earth plot is a little half-baked, because this is mostly the first we've seen of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does, it, like, not that I would want this to be three episodes, because the, the middle no. episode of those those is usually bad. But if there had been a little bit more lead-up in previous episodes... Yes. That would have yeah. helped. It does feel like, I mean... How, how many episodes did we even get of Steeljaw talking to him before this? Just one. Maybe one or... Like, yeah, just one. I feel like this is something that really could have been brought in in, if not Steeljaw's first episode, like his second episode. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe... Well, I don't know that early, but but some point earlier. Like, after he started forming the pack. Right. Yes. Like, he had this sub-thing going on of somebody talking to him. 
And like, I, oh, you could have even done like like he's talking to somebody, and you think it's going to be another Decepticon, and like Thunderhoof walks around the corner to see him, and there's nobody there. Hey, hey, yo, who you talking to? Yeah, it's a comedy of it. So not, yeah, that, it's, a, it's uh, a good like big cliffhangery ending for the episode. Yeah, I think yes. it probably. It could have been seeded through the season better, but I don't think it would have made a good three-parter. I think two parts yeah. is good. We just could have stood more leading up to... We could have stood more meta-plot to mm, get us yeah. here. A little, well, Prime did that better to a degree in leading up more to, oh shit, Unicron? It was just, oh <laughs> shit, Unicron already? The, yes. Megatronus <laughs> feels... Well, he's like... He's weirdly big, but not at the same time. It was like, oh, he's oh. the first Decepticon. Oh, that means something. Wait, what does that mean? Well, I'm pretty sure he's, he's like the only second. really cosmic level threat they face on the show. Yeah. yeah. I think the rest of the time it's just Decepticons as opposed to Robot Judas. Yeah, that, again, yes. th- that'll be a slight dip down, but it's not as big of a dip down as going from Unicron to, oh, Dark Energon, which is just Unicron's blood, which... Going okay, from well. Unicron to Silas. Yeah. As much as I, I like really Silas. Silas. And all that yeah. mech stuff, but <laughs> it's it's a weird step down. Yeah. Like like so, is um is animated the only series that really hit the, the progression notes right? I even think Beast so, Wars, yes. Even Beast Wars is like the second season, that's the high one. Yeah. Third season is like it's okay. We're, we we have spark things that we're getting off the planet. But. The third season was kind of like, oh, we've got a third season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we probably should have planned for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas animated's escalation, like that, felt planned from the beginning, even if it wasn't entirely. Although they had yes. ideas for a fourth season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, maybe that's just a symptom of. TV that's moved on since, like, oh, we're not sure we're going to get a second or a third or at, at all seasons, so we just got to do what we can do. Just do the the biggest stuff we can up front. Yes. All right. So I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusetsu Corner. Yes. This week on Chuki Sentai Gogo Five, Burning Rescue Spirits, the final episode, the fiftieth episode of QQ Sentai. Ooh. Burning? Yes, the, the burning and crashing into things does happen, although it's mostly... Oh, okay. The bad guys burning and crashing the giant robots who fall apart. Oops. This is climactic final episode. Um, Starts out mid-fight with, with the, the two resurrected bodies of the demon princes, which were Grand which Grandine's sons, who are now just kind of mindless monsters, destroying the... Uh, Ranger Zords, they destroy, I think it's the first robot, the original one. That one just gets blown to pieces, and the other ones kind of get wrecked. <laughs> Cut to immediately, the, the Ranger's mom has woken up from the coma last episode, and, and she's talking to doctors, and it's, it's a subplot of the mom's up. She's not dead, even though she was a ghost in one episode. Uh, it's. <laughs> I too am both a ghost and not dead. I mean, it plays into the the arc of this entire series. It's like, oh, family is important and family will come back together in the end because family? Mm-hmm. 
you know. <laughs> but it's really weird that she was in a coma for eight years. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, now she's awake and has a memory back and wants to go see her family. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But there's also a subplot where the Pink Ranger and the Yellow Ranger are still trying to rescue kids that are trapped in a building. And that's another, oh, you kids have to believe that your parents are coming for you in this building that is falling apart and on fire. And there's gas coming up and everyone's going to die in a couple minutes. But but that does. And, oh, the parents were here at the the foot of the building trying to move rubble and, and everything's happy. It's like, okay, thematic, but impractical. <laughs> but it's it's a little it's a show for little kids so whatever. Anyway, uh, um, the robots get wrecked and the rangers are out and they're doing the rescue and stuff. It, it, it's all build up, but it all hinges upon Kyoko, the voice actress of Asuka Soryu, Langley delivering a package to the rangers oh. to save the day, which happens to be plans for a new robot which is actually just a black and gold redeco of their original robot with the space shuttle attached. Uh-huh. Which, it's a black repaint in an episode. I kind of didn't expect that to happen. I mean, yeah. I know they, they sometimes do like Transformers does. You have black repaints. But this is actually a black repaint in the show. I don't know if that happens that often. Uh-huh. Or at all, because usually you don't repaint the robots unless it's like a summer movie or something. <laughs> and then, then you add like a new part. It's like, oh, it's got a lion face on one of the parts now and everything else is gold. Whatever the fuck. Anyway, where was I? Um, Evil's one. There's an eclipse. But then the eclipse starts to fade and, and the sun comes out and hope has returned. But in, in, in the process of the eclipse, like Grand Witch Green Dina has like put herself into the corpse giant monsters of her sons and is talking through them and that's weird. There's a metaphor there that is disturbing and I don't want to dig into it. <laughs> and then they destroy the other giant robots. But oh, surprise, the, the, the black repaint comes and the rangers get together. And the new repaint robot is powered by their mental energy or something or their hearts. They have sure. a cord coming from their neck and, and they just smack, shouting and burning and crashing their swords into the monsters and they win? Yeah, that's how anime works. Except, although, also again, the, coming back to the thematic, it's like it's powered by, by their feelings and they're believing in their mother who believed in them because they believed she was alive and she is alive and it's it's a belief spiral that somehow superpowers them because family <laughs> love this is extremely japanese and i mean that in the kindest way possible i was going to say i think yeah. that's how a couple of uh, fast and the furious movies end <laughs> does anybody does everybody then go for a nice cold corona no, at, at, in the the ending credits, which is always like the the family going on on a picnic, but it's just the kids, not the mom. Now that the mom's there, she bakes them, or no, well, makes them a little box lunch, and then they all take that to their jobs. Because once everything is saved, they go back to their old jobs as firemen and and nurses and doc, uh, cops and stuff. But but now they have a box lunch from mom, which seems weird and reductive, but whatever, happy family. Aww. Anyway, defeat the bad guys. They're alive. Oh, for for a little bit, there's a fake out where they think Mondo, their dad, died because they're 
their base where they had all their robots was in the bay and there was a giant tidal wave that washed it and sank it Ooh. and they thought oh no dad's dead but again Asuka comes to the rescue driving up in a van with him it's like yeah I got him and your mom somehow she got here from Brazil <laughs> overnight you know I think she was supposed to be she was somewhere normal. foreign I think it was Brazil or something or other or they didn't even mention it but it was like a well no I guess Brazil isn't really that far from Japan but still that's a long flight to take while giant robots and monsters are destroying Tokyo. Yeah, we're going to redirect you to, you know, Kyoto or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I forget? Oh, Grand Witch Grandine fades away after her son's bodies are destroyed. And, oh, the, the the little fly butler. Well, he's not little. He's like six feet tall, but he's not a giant monster. Like, when the sons are exploding because they've been killed by the giant sword and crashing into everything love energy like he just goes flying into a building and leaves a hole in it uh-huh. i guess he's dead too to clean up everything but like his death is pure comedy everyone either has to become good guys or die that's how yes. villains work usually victory well, taught me that usually yes but sometimes they're still like kind of evil but like some of the other villains aren't evil they're good now and they just drag along their kind of still asshole friend <laughs> as happens in Ryu Soldier hmm. that was an odd ending anyway uh, the end of the show happy ending everything's cleared up Yay! it's good this is the third Sentai series I have seen from beginning to end Ooh. and I'm not sure how to rate it hmm. <laughs> Compared to the other, because the other ones I've seen is Ryu Soldier, which a lot of people say wasn't good, but I kind of liked it. Although, admittedly, a lot of the things I saw people complaining about is like, oh, it's too much like previous shows. It's like, well, I haven't seen that many previous shows. It was fun to me. Although, admittedly, there were quite a few characters who were underwritten. Like, half the Rangers didn't get shit to do for half the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Which does seem to be a more common thing these days. Like, you focus on the Red Ranger and, and then the Sixth Ranger, and the other ones are lucky to get any business. But this, it, I guess this is as good as that. And, and well, the other one I've seen is um, Zero Ranger, the, the one that the original Power Rangers is based upon, which is good and bad because, wow, that's got a shit ton of episodes that are child-focused. Yeah. And no, oh boy. No kids. So that one's aimed more at littler kids, but then you have Rita Repulsa, the witch Bandora, who's a hoot. Like, <laughs> the villains in that show are the best part of that show. I love her. Yeah, she, she has her own theme song. She sings <laughs> with her goons. It's great. Oh, and she hates children until the very end when she likes uh, Goldar and Scorpina's child. Yeah. She, she's basically a grandma. Well, yeah, she, she's basically a grandma at that point. It's like, oh, I hate all children except for this one. I like this little asshole. Except for mine. <laughs> yeah, well, the entire thing in Japan, Japan, the reason she's angry is her son died because of <laughs> dinosaurs. <laughs> like, so she ends hating oh. dinosaurs and children. I see. So that's a whole messed up thing. So... Uh, I, I don't want to rate that one the best of the three I've seen, because, like, all the child episodes. But the highs in that episode, mostly Bandora, the witch, mm-hmm. are really high. I guess they're all about the same. Like, they, they all have their pluses and minuses. Th- this one, the, the uh, Q-Ranger, Go-Go-5, is... 
Well, it's got the family bonding arc, which which is a good idea, but that limits story as far as I could tell because like they're all related. You don't have you don't have as much conflict between the Rangers. Mm-hmm. You can't have you can't have a love triangle, and you can't just have as much conflict. So that that limits it a bit. And contrasting against the, the bad guys who are also family almost works, but the bad guys. They like each other, kind of, but they're also competing with each other, and they want to destroy the world. <laughs> other than that, they don't really have personalities. <laughs> other than that, they're fine. Yes. Well, other than that, they're bland and, and nothing. Mm. They're just a family who want to destroy the world. They don't have hobbies. I like <laughs> villains that have hobbies. <laughs> So out of the three I've seen, they're all okay. I need to watch better ones. Mm-hmm. Which is the thing. i got to figure out which one I'm doing next. Okay. Because that's the end of that. All right. So I believe that does it oh, for this week. We'll be back, of course. That does it for my throat. Yes. You sound like Super Dave Osborne over here. Oh, no. Oh, no, Super Dave. No. The, uh, the, the uh, late um, Bob Einstein. Oh, that's Einstein. right. Albert Brooks's brother, believe it or not. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, Wait, Albert Brooks is an Einstein. It, Albert Brooks's real name is Albert Einstein, and he was like, I, "Let's maybe." I see why he changed his name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that does it for this week. We will be back, of course, next week with the with the exciting conclusion to Battlegrounds. I'm pretty excited. Yes. Uh, until then, of course, we are all over uh, the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, uh, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help with our hosting and other expenses. That is patreon.com slash iaconunderground. And every month, we do a special episode uh, for the far-flung future of 2021, <laughs> Uh, we are going to be watching Johnny Mnemonic this month. That's right. So uh, hack into your own brain and uh, <laughs> follow the dolphin into the data. That's right. Uh, you know, extort money from the megacorps and pay us a single dollar a month to access not only that episode but all of our previous episodes. It's a lot of episodes. Bunch of weird old cartoons. Bunch of Marvel movies. Um, a, an excessively long episode on uh, Transformers the movie. Yes. Two episodes. Yes. Had to split it. It was so long. That's right. We, we wouldn't shut up. To talk about for tra- we managed to talk about Transformers the movie for twice the runtime of Transformers the movie. And without yes. any of us having seen it, we were doing it all from memory. <laughs> yeah, to varying degrees. Like, Jen, I think you'd seen it that year, but I hadn't seen it a couple years. Rob, I think it had been at least a year for you. Uh, maybe several years. It is seared into my memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in, so until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm Horse. Oh, oh, I need tea. I'm David. Come make some tea.